interview for Ethical Marketing Podcast is with Jamie Barnard, who is the CEO of Compliant and has a really interesting history all through the industry. So, Jamie, can you tell me, first of all, a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry? Thank you, Stuart. Yeah, it would be my pleasure. You said I had an interesting past. Well, I'll try and keep it professional because <laughs> if, if only you knew. So a bit about myself. So I, I co-founded Compliant a year ago with my frenemy from Procter & Gamble and another guy who was at Facebook for many years. I was a lawyer at Unilever for 16 years. I was the general counsel for global marketing and media. I think my entire career has been in the industry. I used to want to be a graphic designer. Well, actually, I wanted to be a stuntman, but by the time I was old enough to, to choose a profession, I wanted to be in graphic design, then in advertising as a creative. But my uh, sweet mother is one of these people who looks at the arts as coloring in. So she rather pushed me towards a profession. So when I became a lawyer, I was adamant that I would only ever work in marketing and advertising. And I've been true to that commitment <laughs> ever since. So obviously now you've set up your own company with Compliant. Can you tell me a bit about that and then the sort of the history of and the reasons why you founded it? Yeah, of course. I, I mean, this goes way back. I've probably spent the last 10 years of my career working in public policy almost by accident. Uh, I spent a lot of time with the World Federation of Advertisers looking at the kind of big policy issues that the <laughs> advertising and marketing industry is facing. Uh, and I've been involved in a lot of coalitions around brand safety, viewability, cross-media measurement, online harms, and child safety. So I've always been in the kind of vanguard that's trying to create positive change in an industry that I've loved since I was, since I was a kid, really. And I guess I got into compliant from a dinner party about five years ago where this gentleman was pitching an idea to this kind of professional dinner around measuring media against privacy metrics and helping companies understand how compliant the media that they, they were buying was. And I got into this enormous argument with my peer, a lawyer from Procter & Gamble. And I think that moment when I was in support of this technology, the wheels started moving. And four years later, I joined the company as the CEO. Okay, that's interesting. Not many people would say that their sort of lead like that started at a dinner party. So that's... <laughs> Can you tell me a bit more about Compliant? Of course. Compliant is a technology company. I suppose our mission is to simplify data compliance across the media supply chain. I suppose in principle, that means we help the advertiser to monitor and measure privacy risk in the digital media that they buy, you know, the ad space on, on publisher sites that they buy. We help their agency to curate more compliant media from trusted publishers because we give them visibility of how compliant each publisher is. And of course, we work with the publisher to help them demonstrate their compliance to media buyers and ultimately to monetize more compliant inventory. You know, all of this in the aim of raising the bar for privacy across across the online advertising ecosystem. 
How do you find? Is, is there many companies doing the same sort of thing that you you do, or is it is it something that you've sort of came to and thought actually not a lot of people are doing this? Uh, I'm pleased to say that there are companies. You know, it's important to have competition when you're trying to develop a market, and I think this is an emerging market. Lots of people are trying to solve very difficult challenges in online advertising, trying to solve some of the tensions between you know, media innovation, ad tech and marketing technology and people's rights and expectations of privacy. They tend to be addressing different aspects. You know, many of them are point solutions, which you know, provide a technical answer to a very specific problem. I think what we are trying to do is to create a tailwind for marketing and media specialists so that their life becomes easier. It becomes easier to deliver their marketing and media objectives in a way that is not clashing with the many privacy regulations around the world. Obviously, data ethics is something that, that you, you're very interested in, but not everyone will understand exactly what that means. So can you tell us a bit about that and why you think it's an integral part of marketing? Yeah, of course. And I think probably my route into ethics is is fairly unusual. As I mentioned, I was a, a media lawyer at Unilever. And in that capacity, I was always dealing with the tensions between privacy and people's expectations and rights when it comes to privacy and media innovation. You know, most media innovation in one sense or another involves very complex use of data and that can often come into conflict with privacy rights and expectations and in the run-up to the gdpr in europe i was sort of leading a coalition of brands with the data transparency advisory board as it was then called later became the data ethics board i think for the world federation of advertising and we were trying to find ways where we could communicate to our consumers, how we wanted to use their data and really kind of reassure them that although these big brands were collecting data about them, that they were doing so with the consumer's best interests at heart. And after about 18 months with this coalition, I think honestly, we had to accept defeat. We had failed to find any meaningful way of communicating such complex data uses in a way that people could genuinely understand and you know much like Archimedes I was literally in the bath one evening contemplating this and having spent a lot of time looking at you know a lot of the challenges we're facing in society with the march of AI and this is going back probably three three or four years it struck me that actually ethics might be the solution it's much easier for people to understand, you know, a handful of really powerful publicly made ethical commitments and hold us to account for that than it is to understand, you know, lengthy privacy policies, which are longer and harder to understand than Macbeth. And that's when I started pivoting our data ethics, well, the Data Transparency Advisory Board towards ethics and, and ethics in the use of data. And I think you fast forward from that point in time and data ethics has now become a very well-established part of the dialogue in advertising. 
I suppose it shows how quickly these kind of new technologies or old technologies that become more established can can change things and can completely sort of change the landscape. Yeah, and you know, there's an example that I sometimes give just to remind people that the use of data in advertising and the collection of data by advertisers and publishers and all of the ad tech intermediaries is not always as benign as we might think at first glance. You know, I, I realize that you know the, the kind of critical reasons for collecting data tend to be, you know, to avoid sending the same person the same ad, you know, five or six times or to identify, you know, a person on one device with the same person on a different device or to link a view on one page with an acquisition on another. But you only have to look at something like Rowan Wade, the U.S. judgment when the Supreme Court overturned the U.S. ban on abortions, which essentially paved the way for U.S. states to prohibit abortions. And what followed was the right in those states to subpoena data from people. So their shopping habits you know, their location history, even data from period tracking apps and social media platforms, and essentially use that information, which was freely available, by the way, you know, it's free to anyone who's prepared to pay for it, to then build a case against someone who's either had an abortion, tried to have an abortion, or tried to help someone have an abortion. You know, and so all of this data that's collected as we browse the internet, you know, and read articles or watch videos and all the rest of it can actually have pretty profound unintended consequences. And it is a sober reminder of the importance of privacy, even in advertising and marketing. Do you think in this country then that we became a bit more aware of that with the Cambridge Analytica stuff? Or do you think that that was a momentary glitch where people went, oh, thought about it for a minute and then just didn't think about it again? Yeah, I mean, that that is a great question. I mean, in many ways, Cambridge Analytica was the kind of black swan moment where nobody saw it coming. But when it happened, it was blindingly obvious in retrospect that that it was going to happen. If it wasn't them, it would have been, you know, it would have been another company. And it it, it did result in a massive reset, I think, you know, GDP, the impact of GDPR and subsequently national legislation that's been rolled out in, you know, 130 plus jurisdictions around the world. You know, Cambridge Analytica really cemented privacy in kind of our digital society. So in that sense, it had a massive impact. But you fast forward to today and, you know, our industry in marketing and online advertising, you know, is remains fairly non-compliant at almost every layer. You know, I think we're left with a lot of issues which still need to be resolved. I think the difference is, if you look at the last sort of three or four years, enforcement is intensifying. It started very much with big tech, you know, and obviously big tech continue to receive, you know, eye-popping fines but it has moved to ad tech and is increasingly shifting towards brands regulators tend to follow the money and i think nowadays it's much harder 
for everyone to kind of fly below the radar undetected. I think these regulators have massively upgraded their weapon systems. So actions that would have gone unpunished before are now firmly in the crosshairs. So yes, Cambridge Analytica had a massive impact. Did it change everything? No. Is that change continuing? Absolutely. I think I read recently that it looks like X is looking at upping their data extraction to for for someone who's very keen on freedom of speech and those kind of things, it feels like they are very much into data harvesting at the moment. Do you think that might start to see a sea change if we have big social media companies really, really pushing as a data harvesting tool? I mean, just the word harvesting, you know, it tends to send shivers down my spine. You know, I think we are moving as a society towards transparency and accountability across the media supply chain in a way that historically we haven't had you know i think paradoxically the advertising industry has always you know has not fully trusted transparency you know we've never really acknowledged the inconvenient truths of the issues online and i think that is now changing i think we are seeing a degree of transparency so to hear that x is perhaps going the other way is is a concern. But I think we need to get into the weeds of what does that actually mean? You know, when we say they're harvesting more data, we need to understand what that is and how they're using it. But certainly, it, it seems to be swimming against the tide. As a lawyer, so how important do you feel the part of the law plays within ethics and, and marketing um, and other industries? I'd be inclined to flip that question and rather look at how the law plays in the way that we view ethics, I'd look at how ethics is impacting law. In the kind of digital marketing space, you know, laws and regulations have always struggled to keep pace with the rapid rate of innovation. And of course, so much changes in society, you know, in in such a quick time as well you know, the impact of social media, what is sort of socially and morally acceptable is changing constantly. And I think social media has really accelerated that. And you end up with this enormous gap between what the law allows, you know, what is morally and socially acceptable according to the written law and what is morally and socially acceptable to people. And I think when that gap is at its widest, it's actually ethics, not law, that guides us. So you worked, as we mentioned earlier, for a long time in Unilever as a general counsel for global marketing and media. So a company who, in general, seem to be trying to do the right thing. But how difficult is it for a company that size to be ethical? Well, I don't think it's easy uh, for a company of any size, but I do think it's possible. I mean, certainly Unilever is one of the most ethical and purpose-driven companies in the market. And of course, ethics is not new. You know, you look at the way big companies are run, you know, from the physical supply chain to the safety of your employees, you know, ethics has been rooted in company culture for centuries, probably. But when it comes to the ethics in data or the use of data, or ethics in the application and integration of AI solutions. You know, we're dealing with very different situation. One which is, you know, at its core, a human challenge, which really means that however big you are, 
in order to establish the right moral and ethical principles, it, it, it is a cultural challenge. In other words, the messaging needs to be crystal clear from the top. That means, you know, certain behaviors are just not acceptable. And people need to know that at every level. And they need to be held to account for that as well. So, you know, having principles, which every employee in the organization, whether they're in the kind of C-suite or whether they're, you know, picking pineapples for, you know, one of your products in on a farm, it's, you know, they all need to understand your principles and, you know, the leadership throughout the organization needs to live by those principles and, you know, hold everyone to account. That way you start to establish that kind of moral code in a very, a, a rapidly changing environment. So you mentioned AI as a as a thing there. Can you tell us a bit about that with regards to data ethics and, and anything that you got thoughts on it in general? Yeah, well, of course, that's a massive question. And, and this is really where my journey into ethics began. Uh, I, I think what I would say at this stage is that ethics is probably uh, as important in AI as the AI itself. Uh, I think we have a responsibility as society to really get in front of this and find ways uh, to manage, you know, what can be very threatening risks from from artificial intelligence. But I would reassure people and say, actually, a lot of the problems with AI are fundamentally human problems. And I think it's what makes us human that that will become more and more important over time. You know, you look at things like judgment, intuition, creativity, originality, even cultural sensitivity. You know, these these things that make us human are going to become more and more important as AI becomes part of the fabric of society. Yeah, it's in every time there's a new technology comes around, it it changes things. And we've got AI, we've got VR. Both of these, I think, could be massive game changers for for marketing specifically. So, if you could change one thing about the marketing industry, what would it be? I often talk about the parable of the South Indian monkey trap. I don't know if you're familiar with the South Indian monkey trap, but it was this this ingenious and frankly very simple device for catching monkeys. They would essentially take a, a coconut, they would drill a small hole in the side of the coconut and fill it full of rice and hang it from a tree or a stake. And, you know, the little monkeys would come along, they'd sniff out the rice and they would push their little hand through the hole in the coconut and grab a fistful of rice. But of course, with a fistful of rice, they couldn't then pull their hand back out because, you know, the hole was too small. And the monkey would sadly sit there, stuck fast with its hand in the coconut, refusing to let go for hours on end until the monkey, sorry, until the hunter turns up and captures the monkey, right? And you might think, why the hell am I explaining this? <laughs> I think, honestly, it's a metaphor for the way marketing has evolved. You know, we've become so enthralled by the reach and the scale and the personalization that comes with a lot of the kind of advertising technology and surveillance technologies that we're slightly paralyzed now when we're reluctant to let go of the rice for fear of, you know, losing reach, 
type metrics, whereas, you know, privacy regulation as it is, is making it too dangerous now. And unless we're willing to let go of some of these outdated ad tech practices, especially when it comes to data and privacy, then I think we're all at risk of the same fate as the monkey. So, yeah, if I was to change one thing, it would be thinking about how we measure success in marketing. That's that's a fascinating viewpoint. And I, yeah, I get exactly what you mean on that. It sometimes feels like marketing for an industry that relies on tech quite a lot. It's very slow to embrace the realities of it. Yeah, we are. I mean, historically, the advertising industry has been slow to embrace change. I think partly that's because for a long time, the solutions haven't really been available in the market. So, you know, the industry has recognized that the way the system runs isn't ideal, but it's very hard to make the switch. And frankly, you know, we're all human. Employees of one brand are looking at employees of their rivals and thinking, well, they're not changing. They're still using these technologies. So I don't want to stop. If I, you know, if I stop and they carry on, I'm going to lose my market advantage. And of course, you know, the same is true in the, in the other companies. So everyone's looking at each other, waiting to change. And absence of, you know, easy switches, then change is very slow. I think if you look at the market today, uh, you actually start to see that there's some very viable solutions available right now uh, that actually help us transition away from some of the more problematic aspects of digital advertising. I suppose that does lead on nicely to uh, what do you think will change in the industry in the next few years then? Yeah, well, I think one of the one of the the biggest changes that's going to come is companies, whether that's the the advertiser or the agency or even the publisher taking much more control and accountability over their extended supply chain. I think up till now, you know, most companies have been fairly introspective, you know, when it comes to things like privacy compliance, you know, people are looking at how they operate as a company. But if you're an advertiser, you know, and you're buying media in a typical campaign against 40,000 different publishers, but you have no idea how compliant the publishers are, that's fundamentally a problem. And I suppose if you look at where we were with viewability 10 years ago, where companies were reluctant to pay for ads that no one sees, you know, if you compare that, which is essentially a budget issue, to something like data compliance, which goes to trust human rights and, you know, unparalleled financial and reputational risk, there is an urgent need to change. And I think that is going to happen now, not least driven by intensifying enforcement. So there's a lot of things you've spoken about here. Is there anything advice you'd give to either small or large companies on ways to maybe deal with their data a bit more ethically or just things that might help based on the experience of how you've seen businesses react? I think the biggest problem we have at the moment in, in the kind of marketing space is when it comes to data ethics, it's not enough to look inside your own four walls. Companies, you know, you're accountable for every tool and every vendor that is processing data on your behalf. So extending accountability from your own operations to your supply chain is, is absolutely critical. And it is really difficult. Frankly, the only way to do it is through automation. So 
you know, if you haven't got tools to measure data compliance across your supply chain yet, then I think you need to run, not walk to get them. I think there are tools available today which will help you understand your supply chain, you know, automatically in real time, which actually allows you to start taking some fairly straightforward actions to manage that risk. And I think, you know, companies that take privacy seriously really need to show that level of transparency, choice and control over their supply chain as well as their own operations. Marketing sometimes has got quite a bad reputation, but I think doing what I do in Ethical Marketing News, and I'm guessing some of the stuff you do, we do see good. We see companies trying to do the right thing. And what gives you hope for the future of the industry? Honestly, I'm I'm really hopeful for the future of the industry. I think it's easy for us to obsess about the problems and the things that aren't working or the things that are changing and forget how much stays the same. I think the things that give me hope, well, one example I think is the is is the transparency that's being forced on the market. I think, you know, for years, the margin or the level of margin a company can enforce on the market has been directly proportional to the information asymmetry, you know, so the the greater the imbalance of access to data, the greater the power, and obviously the the more margin a company can squeeze. So, you know, in that sense, opacity has always been, you know, a commercial driver. I think now we're seeing the rise of forensic ad tech companies or forensic analytics companies that are exposing the truths of online advertising, you know, shining a torch on areas that aren't working or highlighting and exposing dark patterns, you know, bad practice, unlawful, unethical uses of data. You know, I think sunlight is a great disinfectant and these companies are shining light on you know the dark areas of online advertising and programmatic particularly and i think that's going to drive really positive change you know transparency never paid before but i think the more transparency we have the greater the trust will be in the industry and you know the the more we will thrive in the future i suppose the very fact that some of these things are coming to light now is a sign that we're moving in the right direction because people are paying attention people are bringing it out there is absolutely no question in my mind, not only that we're moving in the right direction, but we are, you know, I suppose the tide is going out as a huge tsunami wave comes in. You know, we're about to, it, it's the beginning of that kind of hockey stick curve where the the perfect storm of rising demand for data, growing concern over privacy rights, increasing complexity in the industry and intensifying enforcement, you know, it means that change is now unavoidable. And I think we are seeing emerging companies that are looking, you know, that are almost built from the ground up to serve a pro, pro-privacy model in the advertising industry. Do you have a favorite ethical campaign or a person or someone you'd recommend people to have a look at? Maybe someone who influenced you or inspired you? Yeah, well, yeah, there's lots really. I, I think probably 
I think one one example just stands out in my mind of, of a company that really lives and breathes ethics to the point where it's almost become a cliche. But I always remember the Christmas campaign from Patagonia where they ran these massive print ads and all it said is don't buy this jacket you know they were advocating customers not to buy jackets that they didn't need and i think you know that kind of subversive marketing messaging sends such a signal to the industry that sometimes you know living ethically and marketing can you know coexist without being in conflict and I think that kind of message is, is so important. You know, C.S. Lewis always said that integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. You know, so I think marketing obviously is very much intended to do something when everyone is looking. But I think that creates its own responsibility. Really, we have to be leading by example and and really showcasing how actually ethics can be a growth driver for companies. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you certainly can't question Patagonia. I mean, I mean, they're literally giving the company away now. So it's just fascinating. The whole story is absolutely fascinating. It is. And of course, they really put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. What have you been enjoying over the last month or so? So something that it can be anything, books, podcasts, TV shows, doesn't have to be anything to do with marketing, just something that you think people might enjoy. Well, I have been watching a podcast called Hot Money which which I'd recommend. It's by the Financial Times and it's an eight-part series on who rules porn. Now that might sound like a very strange podcast to recommend, but it's all about the money. It's all about the power structures, the tech geniuses behind it, how society has changed in response to it and all the risks and so on. Absolutely fascinating. Not really anything to do with pornography, but much more to do with the economics behind it. So that's a, a bit of a left field one for you. No, that does sound really interesting. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. It's been great to speak to you. And we will hopefully speak again some point in the future. My pleasure, Stuart. Anytime. This podcast was edited by Stuart Mitchell. The music was by Joe McCafferty. We look forward to seeing you for the next podcast. Podcast.